Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders, as you can see, taking his Steelers Afternoon Drive. Alan, what's going on? Just leaving the facility, and absolutely nothing happened today, Smitty. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, no comments were no, made. No news. No nothing. Just a slow, slow, bit boring day at the office. Now, um, apparently, Najee Harris thinks that you're all stupid. Um, <laughs> Basically, the idea that Matt Canada is responsible for the entirety of the Steelers' offensive problems is is silly to him, basically. Um, I'm paraphrasing. You can read. Nate, why don't you, can you just bring the story up? I think you probably should just read the whole brick of Najee's paragraph about – Okay. Mad Canada, and and I'll sort of set it up, right? So Najee, uh, talking to the media today, said that, you know, there was a players meeting on either Monday or Tuesday. He actually couldn't remember exactly what day it was. Uh, Basically, sort of echoing what Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday more, that um, the team wasn't physical enough. He didn't think the team had the right mentality. And that they got away from that mentality of dominating the line of scrimmage and being the more physical football team that was successful for them down the stretch last year. And he felt like that was something that they as players needed to fix. And he got asked a follow-up question and said, you know, were the coaches involved in that or is that just you guys? And, you know, he kind of laughed and said, like, coaches, man, like, y'all going to quit asking about the coaches. Like, it's not the coaches. It's us. 
Yeah. Uh, coaches only can coach. At the end of the day, we've got to do what we have to do. I see everybody talking about this coaching staff, about play calling. Like, Brody, y'all understand how football works. Coaches can only coach. We've got to execute the plays. We're not trying to point the finger at all. This is not the time to do that. It keeps being a conversation that gets brought up or not even brought up, but things that are talked about so much, it's crazy. We have to execute at the end of the day, no matter who is back there calling the plays. I honestly say that we're not doing that right now. Not coaches. It has nothing to do with the coaches, just players. We have to play better. And then he went on to say that uh, everybody runs the same damn plays anyway. So, like, what are you going on about? And, like, I feel like that to me is the – most true thing that Najee Harris said, look, in the NFL, if you're a really good coaching staff and you have really good coordinators and you do like a ton of film study and you're just like the most, the smartest, most prepared team, you can fool the other team like maybe 15% of the time. That's it. Like the best of the best. The absolute, like mm-hmm. if you play Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator, Sean McVay, the head coach, and Andy Reid, the quarterback's coach, that all-star team of offensive coaches is not even going to fool the defense a quarter of the time. All the rest of the time, you just have to execute. It doesn't matter if you fool them or not. And most of the time, the defense knows what's coming. Most of the time. We've talked about that here before. T.J. Watt can call out run pass almost 100% of the time, and he can probably call out the exact play that's coming about 50% of the time. He knows what's coming all the time. You can't hide it from him. They only have, like, 80 offensive plays. Like, you can't – it's not that hard to memorize them if you're a defense. If you all played Madden before, you know, like, after the third time, you're looking over at the guy's playbook like, oh, he's about to run zone blitz again. Like, you know, like there's only so many plays in the playbook. Well, there's only so many plays in the real-life playbook. Like, that's how it works. You have to execute the plays at a high level consistently, or it does not matter what plays you call. And the Steelers, go look at the tape. They are leaving plays all over the field. Basically, everyone other than Najee Harris. Like, it was a great timing and sort of an accident that he is the guy that was he usually talks on Wednesdays and but man like he's the perfect person I've got a conversation with because like, I was a lot done with Chris Carter yesterday and we did our grades and like Najee's the only one passing right now like the whole rest of the team they're not executing they are not blocking their assignment they're not doing their job offense and defense you can't say there's 49 players dressed in that game. You can't you can't say more than 45 of them did what they're supposed to do even half the time. Like that's that's a hundred percent of what this problem is. Now, what Mike Tomlin said yesterday, and we talked about yesterday, is okay, yeah, it's still the coach's job to get these guys to perform. And there's some truth to that. Like, I think there's some things that are going wrong in terms of the application of specific personnel, in terms of, like, keys and and being aware of things, you know, how much they've repped things. But, man, at the end of the day, there are a lot of players wearing black and gold that are playing below the expectations for their play all the time. It doesn't have anything to do with anyone other than them. Yeah, and, and I guess, like, for me, that's – 
I don't want to say an acceptable thing if we're talking about a small sample size like just this season, but in terms of this offense, like it's been really bad for a really long time now. So like whether if it is just execution, how are we going on this long of a stretch now for this offense being this bad just based off execution? Well, I think Najee's point was that it wasn't that bad. Like that they had success in the second half of last season that most people reasonably expected them to continue to carry over into this season. And if they had just done that, now look, are they going to be a top 10 offense? No. Uh, are they going to be a top half offense? Maybe. But are we going to be having these conversations? Absolutely not. Would they have beaten Houston? Probably. Like that, you know, like I don't think he's <coughs> saying that they're just some execution away from being great, but there's some execution away from accomplishing their goals, and that's that's probably good enough. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I just think it goes for me, at least like looking at the larger body of work here. I know we were we were breaking it down a little bit looking at I mean, I know the stats are out there. I know that you're aware of them. You know, 400 yards hasn't happened in 40 games. They've only scored 30 points four times since 2020, the start of 2020 season, which that's I guess not 2020. You shouldn't even include that because Canada wasn't the OC. So one time in 2021. <laughs> one time last year in 2022. I mean, all that information is out there. Again, like understanding that they're not going to be an offense that puts up a ton of points. It's more about controlling the clock and wanting to run the football. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know where the expectation is for this offense. Like what what is reasonable expectation for this offense to get to? I don't think they care how many yards they get. I don't think they really care how many points they get. They just want to win the game. Like, I think that's the, like you, the, like they need, the offense to be what it needs to be to keep them in games. And it has, it was that last year. Like this, like I don't think the statistics matter if you can play like, look, we know how games against the Baltimore Ravens go, right? Is somebody going to score 40 points on Sunday? No. no, like I'm, I'm damn sure that neither team is going to score 40 points on Sunday. No, no chance of that happening. Not going to happen. We know how Steelers Ravens is going to go. Right. And so like, you don't need to be that offense this game. Now, maybe when you play the Bengals, you well, like the Bengals have been terrible this year, but like, okay, let's say right. they play the Bills. Okay, let's say they play the Bills or the Chiefs. You would say going into that game, like, okay, if you don't have an offense that can score 40 points, then you're going to be limited to how good you can be, right? Like, if the Steelers' offense was just what it was at the end of last season or a little bit better, we would be talking about them as like, oh, they're probably a playoff team. Yeah, they're not as good as the Chiefs. Yeah, they're probably not as good as the Bills. Like, yeah, if the Bengals get right, they'd probably have a hard time with them, but they could beat almost everyone else. Like, that's what we would be we would be saying about the Steelers team. And instead, we're talking about them like, oh, my God, Mike Bowman's on the hot seat, which, by the way, is nonsense. But, I mean, I guess we can get there, too, eventually. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, the, I think the whole conversation about the team is very different if they're just the offense that we thought they could be instead of, and that they have been instead of what we've seen. Why do you think that that's like the, I don't want to say goal or like, why aren't they aiming higher than as an offense to, to be a better offense? Like, why are they okay with just playing complimentary doing just enough to win football games? Seemingly. I don't think they have enough talent to be a lot better than that. I mean, to be perfectly honest, like Kenny's not a good enough quarterback. Might he be someday? Sure. But, like, the common denominator between all those teams that we just talked about is great quarterback play. I mean, like, mm -hmm. it, 
Now, you know, if 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 Kenny was playing great and they were still not getting those results, then I think you would look at the scheme and be like, hey, something here's wrong. Um, but they're not. Like he's not, and it's not that there are not plays for him to make. Sometimes that that's true. That's that's always the case. Sometimes, but. By and large, there are plays out there to be made that are just not being made that most NFL quarterbacks would be making. And that most NFL team, you know, like when, like, for example, like there's a naked bootleg in that game. I mean, the Steelers used to run naked bootlegs with like old ass Ben, where he could like barely move, right? He, he would still, like, up until maybe like the last two years. After the elbow surgery, he really didn't do much more of that. But up until then, he was still running naked boots all the time. How many times do you remember Ben getting hit before he could turn around on a naked bootleg? Never. I never remember that happening. So, like, there's 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 a lot of failures at a lot of levels. But, like, like I don't know. What are you supposed to say? Like, oh, well, they suck at that, so you can't call a naked bootleg. Well, if, if you can't call anything they suck at, he can't call anything. Because they've found a way to screw up just about every play in this playbook. And, like, again, at some point he needs to own the quality of the play of his players. But I think a lot of people get mad at the scheme. And, like, the other part of it is the biggest and best criticism of Canada's scheme is that it's overly simple. Like, the passing concepts are overly simple. They're they're old-fashioned. They're not cutting edge. But if you're screwing up overly simple over and over again, how do you go to more complicated stuff? Like I don't know how if you're the if you're the leader of a team and your team keeps screwing up the assignment you give them, you don't go give them a you don't go give them a harder one, right? Like if anything, mm-hmm. you're trying to give them the easier one. I really do think that Nazi is right in one way, and this is sort of an indirect criticism of Matt Canada, but it also just has to do with how the games have gone, is that they've gotten away from the run too much. They need to be an offense that runs the ball much more. And and they partially because of the game situation they haven't been able to but i felt like they you know we had a long conversation earlier this year about whether they've been getting away from the run too much yeah. too soon and I, I think that i think that is definitely a thing that's happened i think that maybe they got a little bit high on their own supply from the preseason that they thought they were going to be a little bit more successful as a passing offense and they uh felt like they could change their personality a little bit. And I don't think that's turned out to be the case. I appreciated the high in their own supply in there. Um, I wanted the other thing that I wanted to bring up though. Okay. So again, looking at the entirety, like the sample size, the players, if it is execution that falls on the coaching staff in a different way though, you know, other than just the play calling and stuff like that. So, you know, when do you start to take a look at obviously like top down in terms of, of Tomlin himself, obviously Canada, the roles as an offensive coordinator that aren't just the play calling aspect. And then like the position coaches as well. I think you could make a change of position coach in season if you think you have a guy who's just wholly negligent. Um, you know, I was talking to Kenny Pickett today, and I was like, "What's you know, is there consistency in what the problem is?" And you know, he's like, "No, it's one guy on every play, but it's not the same guy. But it only takes one guy. And when you don't have a very talented offense, which I mean, I don't expect the Steelers to say, but they do not have a very talented offense." Um, mm-hmm. You can't have 10 guys pulling in one direction and one guy going a different one. You don't have enough talent to make up for that. You know, when the Steelers had 
Ben and Love Bell and AB, and they had an offensive lineman full of undrafted offensive line full of undrafted free agents. It didn't matter if sometimes somebody didn't get blocked. Ben would just chuck one up and say AB's down there somewhere, or Love Bell would break four tackles. Like they don't have enough talent to erase mistakes. And so when they're making mistakes, they're they're amplified all the time. And I think that again goes back to like if I was leading this offense, I would be trying to make it simpler and not more complex. So I really don't, you know, again, like I don't know what you want Matt Canada to do other than I think mostly people just want their pound of flesh at this point. So I I gotta ask you though, like from a fan perspective, what is your reaction to hearing Najee Harris say that that way? Um, I mean, I don't expect him to say anything differently openly, but again, like it wasn't even like he was asked, right? Like he just said it without. Yeah. Um, I think that there's definitely truth within what he's saying. Again, I just feel like he's, and I don't know if he was trying to absolve the coaches at all from any type of blame and put it all on the players, because I definitely wouldn't agree with that either. Like, I think even if it does fall on the players again, that just falls on the coaches in a different way um, and getting away from the play calling stuff. I don't think he's, you know, lying or anything like that. I just, I don't know. I, I think that it's kind of a, a closed minded view in, in just looking at his situation. I think it's hard to look at the tape and see mistakes, glaring mistakes and say, well, this is a coaching problem. Like, as a player, where, you know, you're just watching guys screw up over and over, you know, guys running into each other in the backfield, and guys, you know, like, like mm-hmm. how could you how could you say that's play calling? Like, you, you just, yeah. you, you can't logically get there when you're watching the mistakes happen over and over again and saying, like, man, what are we doing here? I do think that if Najee Harris was being – if, if we fed Najee Harris some truth serum, I do think there would be some criticisms of Matt Canada. I think he wants the ball more. And not just because he's mm-hmm. selfish and he wants the ball more. I think he correctly recognizes that the running game is the only thing they might be good at, and they probably need to emphasize that more than they have been. He was directly asked about the fourth and one play call about whether you know he would like to have the ball in that situation. He said, I'm not going to answer that. And, you know, I think that's very telling that here, mm, a direct yeah. question, you know, okay, hey, I, I got nothing for you there. But he, on another place, like, not even really asked about the coaching staff, just sort of very tangentially bringing them into the conversation. He has this long speech to give about how it's just it's, it's, not, it's just the coaches. So, to me, that's like, okay, there, there are things that Najee Harris is seeing that the rest of us are seeing. Maybe they're not the same things, but there's things that they're seeing that he would like done differently. And I would imagine that most players would agree with that. But I think when your job is to play football and you're, you're, you know, you're watching the football not being played very well, I think it's really, really hard to put the blame anywhere else. Like, if you're a believer as a player that, like, what you do matters, that, like, you have a job to do and it's important for me to go out there and execute my job on any given play, then you can't watch people fail to do that over and over again and not say, well, there's a problem right there. You know, like, I just think that's that's going to be a player's reaction to seeing that, even if, like you're saying, it's possible they could be put in better positions, they could have more knowledge, they could be better prepared, like, and those things are still at some level coaching. I just don't expect players to see it that way. 
Yeah. And I think the other thing that I would be curious about is so in his mind, if it is an execution thing and you look at offenses around the league, really, you you would think that in Najee Harris's mind, they're executing the second most poorly in the league behind save. I don't know how this is possible. The Cincinnati Bengals right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's what he's saying. And, 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 you know, it's not surprising to me that he has the same viewpoint as Mike Tomlin here. You know, Tomlin's pretty good at getting his message across, but you know, it's the support of that, of, of Tomlin's ideas is not always so honestly undertaken. You know, it, it really felt like that he was in passionate agreement that, that they played soft. He said they were soft. Like he said that unprompted said we were soft. Like yeah. that's, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, like that's the other thing is like, that is who this team wants to be. Like they do not want to be the Kansas city chiefs. They don't even aspire to be that kind of offense. They want to beat people up. They want to be physical. They want to dominate the line of scrimmage and control possession of the football. That is their goal. And so to be failing, so like they don't care. No one in that locker room is like, can you believe we didn't get 400 yards again? Like, can you believe it? I guarantee yeah. no one has said that, but they're pissed about the, the, their physical performance uh, at, at the point of attack in that football game, because that is what they are being paid to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's where you're going. You're always going to see like the discrepancy between the way that the fan base views it and the way the team sees it. The team just wants to win. If they score, if they want a game three, nothing, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to be not, not obviously happy with the individual performances and stuff, but Hey, you know, I, I think that they're just going to look at it as they want a football game where the fans would be nitpicking every single detail of that game. Um, Kenny, I wanted to ask you about Kenny. We saw in the, uh, the portion that was able to be put out there that he's wearing a pretty, pretty thick knee brace on that knee with that bone bruise. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about the situation, Alan. That's right where I'm at. He said he feels good about being able to play on Sunday. Um, he did, you know, did they list him on the injury report as full or limited? Oh, good question. Uh, I have it right here. He is a limited. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Um, he didn't look very comfortable to me. You know, they do this drill where they, like, do a handoff. And if you go up on the YouTube channel here, it's, like, one or two videos up. Najee's uh, interview video here on the channel as well. So go check that out, uh, too. Yeah. But if you go up and you look, like, they do this drill where they hand off. You know, they, they practice a the handoff with the running back. And then the quarterback is supposed to sort of carry their play fake like it's going to be a bootleg after doing the handoff and a ball boy or an equipment manager or whatever tosses them another ball and they make a, like a little throw on the move. So you kind of get like two reps in one, right? One is a handoff and then one is a toss. Um, Kenny Rain is at about 12%. Just, just mm. estimating like that's, it does not look yeah. fluid or comfortable at all. So I don't know. I remember a conversation, like it was actually like a whole news cycle about when he was at Pitt. Uh, Pat Narduzzi usually likes his quarterbacks to wear knee braces in the game. And Kenny did not want to wear a knee brace. And at one point he like took it off and didn't tell Pat that he took it off and like was refused to wear it. And it was like a thing, like Pat got mad at him. They had kind of like a, almost like a blow up oh. about it. 
and then that was like his freshman year, maybe into the start of his sophomore year. And eventually, like, they came to an agreement where Kane needed to learn how to slide, and then Pat was going to – like, he wasn't allowed to try to break tackles anymore. Like, he, he could play without the knee brace, but he wasn't – but, I mean, that's how – Passionate that Kenny was about hating playing with a knee brace. Now that brace that Pitt had him wear was on the right leg, so it's on his plant leg, which moves a lot less than his left leg. And honestly, don't feel like it was as big as the brace that he was wearing today. So he's going to be pretty darn uncomfortable if he's out there with that big knee brace on his left knee. He didn't look very mobile. I'm not sure this is a great idea. I'm not either. I think we touched on it yesterday, so I don't want to like regurgitate a conversation, but I just, I don't get it. Like you got the bye week, the following week, you know, Kenny hasn't been very good this year. Like you're not going to have a significant, you know, decrease in performance from Mitch. I I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think you would, I, I'd be playing this one safe. I'd give him the two weeks and let him come back out against the Rams. If it was my call. I think I would be leaning on that way too. You know, obviously, it's not a decision they have to make right now. You know, Mitch, I, he did get more than the usual reps. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that Mitch is going to be great, but he should be about what what they've been getting. I, I don't know. I, I, we'll see. It gives Kenny the opportunity to, I don't know, go be a hero. Like, I, he's got that in him. Like, I, I get it. Like, you, you know, he, I, you don't want to kill his spirit, right? Like, you want to let him be him. I get it. I just, yeah. I, I, I just, I, he couldn't survive a game against the Ravens last year when he was fully mobile. Like, is, like, mm-hmm. We're talking about Broderick Jones making his first start. We're talking about there was four offensive linemen on the injury report today. <laughs> like, yeah. is an immobile Kenny Pickett going to survive a game against the Baltimore Ravens? Like that, that to me is the real concern. I guess um, I'm not saying this is a positive, but it's kind of making a, a joke here. Hey, he can't bail on the pocket if he can't get out of the pocket with that knee. So <laughs> he's definitely going to be a more consistent pocket passer if he's hobbling along with a knee brace. I'll agree with that. Might not be the worst thing in the world for him. I mean, maybe you got a good point there. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I wouldn't want to sit in there against Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and not be able to move. I'll tell you that much. I don't care how many pads I'm wearing in practice. Yeah, I think, too. I mean, we talked about if if it is Mitch, we were talking about this. So especially if you're talking about a Kenny that can't move around at 100%. But you just mentioned with it being Broderick Jones first uh, start, you know, we'll see if Daniels comes back, if it's going to be Nate Herbig again, who gave up six pressures in this game, six TB hurries. Like they should, the emphasis here, regardless of who's at quarterback, should be to run the football. But man, if it's an immobile Kenny as opposed to Mitch, that that's 100% got to be the case. Yeah, it's, they've got to find a way to have more success running the ball. You know, they've been okay. Like, it's not like they've been terrible. I think Najee's right. They have not – I just don't think they've had enough – they haven't had enough consistent success as an offense where they've been able to sustain drives. Like, they're punting too often to run the ball, and then they're behind, and then they can't anymore. And the one thing – and I, I, I understand I'm beating a dead horse here, 
but I, I'm going to say a few more swings. They cannot continue to fail on the opening drive of the game. Yeah. Every single time. Like you just like if you if you're acknowledging that you're gonna struggle to protect your quarterback, if you're acknowledging that you're not built to come from behind, if you're acknowledging that the one thing that you might be good at is running the ball, you have to start faster. You have to be able to capitalize on something. You gotta do something different. You gotta put something in, give them a wrinkle. Remember when the defense putting Mickey Fitzpatrick in at boundary corner and the Browns had never seen that and Sean Watson threw the ball straight to him. Like, that's – where's that from the offense? Like, if you want to talk about play calling, I think that is a very legitimate criticism, that we are seeing zero creativity in the game-to-game changes about the offense, and the, especially in the way it plays out on the first drive of the game. If you're going to surprise somebody, that's the time to do it. Like, pull out the stop. Like, let's – I feel like they're just they're trying to warm up to it every game, and you can't do that. And, you know, I don't think that Matt Canada is a very good play caller in terms of, like, his feel for what is going to work when. And, like, that is purely feel, right? Like, just, like, you're, it's a guessing game. And I don't think he's very good at it, but that is an area where you could have multiple inputs on that. Like, you know – Hey, it's second and 10. We ran the ball. We got three yards. Now it's third and seven. We had play call fast. Like, there's no time for anyone else to be involved. There's no reason that Mike Tomlin isn't getting involved. That, that Kenny Pickett doesn't have input. That the, the, the leaders in the offense, like Mason Cole and Nazi Harris, that, you know, that group has to come together and come up with a script that will actually work for one freaking time. Like, mm-hmm. it's essential. It's essential. Yeah. I, you're, I'm glad you took a couple more swings on that that dead horse that we continue to beat on here because, man, yeah, the opening scripts have been. I mean, we we can complain about the offense as a whole, obviously, but the opening scripts are really get me. Um, what I mean, bring what up should the happen end- is the offense dictates the play, right? The offense mm-hmm. says we're gonna do this, and then the defense has to adjust. This the offense should get worse as the game goes on, as what they're doing becomes evident to the defense and the defense is able to respond to it. The Steelers yeah. offense is the only offense in the world that gets better as the game goes on. Like it's bonkers. It should never happen. that way. Um, speaking of the offense, a lot of these names are going to be on here. I want to bring up uh, today's injury reports. Um, Presley Harvin still DNP with the hamstring thing. Uh, Kenny Pickett, obviously, with the knee. Patrick Peterson and Isaac Samalo were just resting players. Cole Holcomb, in addition to the injury report, we knew about Dan Moore Jr., who's already been rolled out. James Daniels still dealing with a groin. Pat Frymuth, we know, isn't going to play. Liao working his way back from the concussion. Shoots a core four with Yelbow popping up as well. So a core four and Cole Holcomb seemingly coming out of, of nowhere popping up today. Yeah, it's two weeks in a row for Chooks on the injury report. It's pretty clear that he's playing through something with that elbow i'm not quite sure what it is but i mean he's been not the chiefs of old in pass protection man he's i mean he's never been a dominant run blocker but he has been a dominant pass protector and we just have not seen that from him i think it's pretty clear that he's been playing through some kind of injury um Mm -hmm. and that it's impacting him he has not been the guy that i mean really no one on that offensive line i think has played up to their expectations outside of Maybe we've started to see Samalu turn the corner in that yeah. regard these last two games. But mm-hmm. Chooks really struggling as a pass protector has been an under-talked-about uh, part of this offensive struggles, I think. And I think it's pretty clear it's 
mostly because he's not very healthy right now. Um, so yeah, that day or uh, that day for Samalu, uh, Chooks out, Dan Moore out, James Daniels out. So that leaves an offensive line of like Broder Jones, uh, Nate Herbig, Spencer Anderson, and Dylan Cook. Yeah, so like that'll be fine. Let's go. Let Dylan Cook. Up. Let's go put banged up Kenny out there behind that and see what the Ravens do to him. Like, and you know what? I, I expect a lot of those guys to be fine yeah. to play. Like, Samuel obviously will be fine. I expect Chooks to play. It would not surprise me if James Daniels is able to play this week. But, man, like, yeah. That's, uh, that's that we know with the way that things go, with that offensive line, the Steelers would beat the Ravens 19-16 to in overtime. I mean, we're not at prediction really time, goes. but I still feel very good about the Steelers' chances in this game. I mean, a, a division game at home. Like, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not giving my prediction yet either, but I, like, I, just, I don't know. Ravens got some good news today. They got uh, uh, cornerback back. Uh, Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, Marlon Humphrey. Um, mm-hmm. They're playing well. There's, there's no question about I that. Wanna, uh, I actually wanted to bring up something. This is the last thing I wanted to bring up. It, it came through as we've been recording, so you probably haven't seen this, but Patrick Queen uh, said it's personal every time he plays against Mike Tomlin. When I was on their sideline my rookie year, Mike Tomlin was looking at me, yelling at me, saying, you're not a Raven. You're not supposed to be there. You're not one of them. Okay. Where in the world did that come from? <laughs> And then he said, I don't care if he was joking. I don't care if he was serious. At the end of the day, I'm on your sideline. You're telling me I'm not a Raven. It's kind of disrespectful. Spoke uh, very highly of Patrick Queen uh, in his availability on Tom on Tuesday. He did. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Everybody likes Mike Tom. That's, that's, even the Ravens. Like The Ravens are the one team that you will generally not like. Most NFL coaches, if you stick them on your phone and you're in front of them, you'd be like, say some good things about Mike Tomlin. You'll get like a paragraph. I feel like John Harbaugh, you get like two sentences. Like, I don't think it's personal. I just think those are two teams that let – I saw a great interview with Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he said, like, I can't be friends with guys that I play against. Like, I can't work out with you in the summer, and we can't, like, go fishing together or, or like, our wives be friends. And then me go try to like dunk on you and end your career. Like I, I can't <laughs> fake that. Like I can't yeah. do it. And like, I feel like the Steelers and the Ravens keep it that way, man. Like mm-hmm. they're the last real, like there are NFL robberies, but, but every NFL robbery anymore comes with that kind of like wink in the nod. Like, Oh yeah, we all know we're still bros. Like hit me up on Instagram, the Steelers and the Ravens. I don't know that it's real. I think it's mostly just, self-manufactured like i don't think there's any real animosity but i think they 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 keep it they they keep it in their heart like there's there's no friendships across that rivalry i'm sure about that one i agree but i also think that they do the best job of keeping it between the whistles like for 60 minutes between the teams in the division yeah yeah, it's never dirty with the Ravens. Like, it's it's very rarely have things between the Steelers and the Ravens gotten dirty. And it's been physical. It's been, I mean, mm-hmm. it's been it's been more violent than actual war at times. Uh, but, I mean, like, it's it's never been – I've never felt like it, it was personal. It was always just a very intense 
but very professional rivalry. And I think that's sort of the way I would describe it. It's like, they don't like each other. They're not trying to like each other. Um, But it's not, I've never seen it get personal. It's always just been like, okay, Mm -hmm. those are the guys we don't like. Got it. And and I I really uh, appreciate it. Um, You know, there's been a couple guys I've talked to that have been both sides of it. Miles Boykin and, and Chris Wormley come to mind. And, mm-hmm. you know, those are guys that have, like, a great appreciation for what this this game means. And uh, it's always great to talk to them about it. I'm going to have to try to track down Miles Boykin tomorrow or Friday because uh, that's always a good conversation. These, these games mean a lot, man. And uh, there isn't a single guy on – you know, th- there's a lot of new players on this Steelers team that are not familiar with what Steelers-Ravens is all about. But I think they're going to find out pretty quickly. That they better. Um, all right, Alan, tell the people where they can find you. At A Saunders underscore PGH on X. PGH Steelers Now is the site's account, SteelersNow.com. Go there. Check out all the stuff that Najee Harris said, all the injury updates, all the news about Kenny Pickett, all the everything else from Derek Bell breaking down the film of that disgusting game against the Texans. So thank Derek for that. Uh, subscribe <laughs> to Steelers Now Plus and use my promo code Alan 10, get 10% off an annual subscription. It costs like three Starbucks coffees. And uh, we are giving away stuff. So like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are giving away a jersey. I got a hat. I got some socks. I got another hat. I got uh, some beef jerky randomly we're going to give away too. So like we're all about it. Whatever. I'll, I'll scrounge up some other stuff too. I'm great at coming up with the stuff. So when we get to 10,000, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a concert. We're going to have a, a, a viewer appreciation day or whatever. And we're going to give mm-hmm. stuff away. I'm going to tell you who our jersey is not today. Um, we did defense yesterday. We can go offense today. It is not Najee Harris, who was the star of wow. the show. It is not Najee Harris. So there you go. It's also not Godwin Igwebuke which I probably could not have come up with even if I tried. So that shows an obvious, but I'll throw that one out there as like a bonus <laughs> uh, bonus for you. Yeah, that would have been like a, a customized one. Maybe you'd have to like even DH date that. I don't even know how you did how Yeah, you, I, I, you know. I don't know if the Godwin has a Godwin Igwebuke jersey. <laughs> like Josh Dobbs was complaining about not being able to get one of his. Like, yeah. come on. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm Zachary Smith, PGH. You can find me on all social platforms. As Alan said, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Hit us in the comments as well. Leave us a five-star review if you're listening somewhere that isn't YouTube and head over to the site. Read all the work there. Nick, Alan, Derek, everybody on the team doing some great stuff. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for going on another afternoon drive with us. We will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com.